Coming up next is my interview with one of the great golf landscape artists ever, and that's Linda Harto. Before I get to Linda, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year, and I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a, a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX Full Face Wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arcos and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arcos Caddy. When you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T.com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is Linda Harto. This is the third time that I've had the privilege of having Linda as part of the show. Let me remind you about her background. She grew up in the countrysides of Wilmington, Delaware, and Louisville, Kentucky. She was drawn to art at the age of six. She spent the early part of her career in Chicago, where she earned her fine arts degree at the Art Institute of Chicago. Back in the 70s, she started selling her art, her prints and posters there locally. She moved near Hilton Head back in 1980, and she has since become recognized as one of the best golf artists on the planet. She's the only person to be commissioned to do annual paintings of the U.S. Open and the Open Championship by the USGA and the RNA. You can see her amazing work and purchase her prints by going online to hardtoe.com, spelled H-A-R-T-O-U-G-H dot com. And I am honored she is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Linda, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks so much, Chris. It's great to be here. Linda, I want to start our time uh, talking about the Academy of Golf Art. You are one of the amazing artists that make that up. Talk about how you all are advancing golf art beyond the fine art genre. Ah, well, we are trying to connect uh, with collectors and people just interested in golf art. Um, we're also connected a little bit with the Golf Heritage Society. We're kind of aligning our uh, organizations. And we have a lot of good plans for the future for expanding the academy. We have a, a new uh, president who's got a lot of great ideas, and we're in the process of getting those implemented. So, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff coming up. 
And Linda, every week you do a drawing, giving away one of your prints to the person who accurately predicts who's going to win the golf tournament that week on the PGA Tour. That's a heck of a thing for somebody to win. Talk about that. Yeah, we we started that oh, a while ago, and it's just been very popular. And so just a lot of fun, you know, just to try to guess the winner. We have a lot of people participating, and we like to give away a print here and there. So, uh, yeah, we'll be running a contest this week, too, with the Wells Fargo. And uh, we, we, uh, we have a lot of good participation on it. A lot of people like doing it. So it's fun to do. Linda, for the aspiring artists out there, remind our listeners about how you got your start doing golf landscapes. Well, it isn't something that would happen every day, but but I did get called by Augusta National Golf Club. They had seen my landscapes and asked me if I could paint a golf course. And I said, sure. <laughs> and that's how it started. That was 1984. So, yeah, I don't think that happens too often when you get a chance like that, but it happened to me. And I'm very thankful for it. It started me on this journey that I've had for all these years with golf. And I couldn't be happier about that. Uh, I think just the fact that I did it for them was what led me to all the other um, courses that I did over all these years. So I'm very grateful to them for that. So let's take that story a half step further. Uh-huh. I, read, I read that you had moved down to Hilton Head uh-huh. and did a show of your landscapes, and that sort of caught the eye of one of the members of Augusta yeah. National. Is that how it worked out? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, they told the golf pros there, you know, um, Dave Spencer and Mike Klepke, and they had been looking for someone to do uh, paintings, and then they were going to make prints to sell at the Masters. So, yeah, when they saw my work, they really liked it. So, uh, yeah, the first one I did was the 13th hole. That was in 1984. And we made prints. The first time I had made prints of my work. And we sold them at the 85 Masters. And it went so well, I kept doing them for them. And then pretty soon other clubs came calling and it was the start of a whole new career. <laughs> and Linda, everybody that listens to this show knows how much I love Augusta National. It's my favorite place on the planet. You have beautifully captured so many of the holes and the clubhouse, oh, by the way. Oh, how yeah. much How much time have you spent on property and what time of year have you gone to to take a look and to take all the pictures that you needed in order to make the prints in the, in the uh, artwork? Well, many years. I used to go every single year to take pictures, usually around spring, you know, before the Masters. But I had gone almost every time of year, really, because uh, sometimes the lighting was just a little better at different times of the year. Um, You know, like in December or January, it's just the angle of the sun sometimes makes a difference on how it shows off the hole. And, of course, then I have a gazillion pictures of (laughs) every part of that course and also every bloom. So even if I went at a different time of year, I I could fill in all the color everyone's used to, 
even with a different angle of the sun. So it worked out. <laughs> like you say, you've taken a gazillion pictures. Do you always work from pictures that you take? Or have you ever been out there with a, an easel in your paints and, and away you go just sitting there, you know, looking at the subject as opposed to looking at pictures? Oh, very early on I did it with, I took a sketchbook and all that, but really, you know, I was much better at gathering uh, reference just with the camera and working on uh, putting all that together back in the studio. I, I didn't do much outdoor painting, and, and it's pretty hard to do on a golf course, I want to tell you. Is that right? Why? Yeah, oh, gee, I wonder. <laughs> a little matter of players and golf balls and being <laughs> Play is not exactly uh, acceptable on the golf course. So I really learned how to get in between players and get the pictures I needed at the right time of day. And, uh, you know, like doing St. Andrews, you couldn't, there's no place to get out of play there. So you sort of have to follow along with the group and get your pictures that way. <laughs> so. You know, every place has a different challenge. No doubt. Between weather and everything else. <laughs> when you were doing the U.S. Open and the Open paintings, how far in advance were you going out to visit the property so that your prints were available by the time it was tournament week? Oh, well, for I had to be out there at least a year before to get the reference because I had to, and sometimes two years because I actually had to have the painting and the print done the year before the uh, the U.S. Open. Now, on the British Open, I could, you know, cut that a little closer. But on the U.S. Open, it was almost two years in advance to, to do the reference. Because I had to do the print production. And then uh, the USGA had a, a catalog that came out in the fall before the following year's tournament. So I had to have the product in there by then. Linda, in 2006, the New York Times did an article about you titled The Rembrandt of the Back Nine. Oh, boy. Yeah. At, <laughs> at the end of that article, you were quoted as saying, golfers don't look down on a course because they haven't played it. They look at every course with a kind of awe. And I really love that. Talk okay. about what you meant by that. That's true. I mean, uh, it doesn't matter if they've never played it. There are so many courses, of course, they're familiar with from major tournaments, or like Augusta, of course. I mean, how many people have actually played Augusta, you know, that love it? Uh, not that many, proportionally. And uh, it's just great. They they just appreciate it on that level, though. And that that that's good for me. You know, that makes me feel like I'm really doing something for them, placing them there. Reminding them of the, maybe the tournament, just being there for going just to the tournament is very special for so many people. Just reminding them of that time. Let's take that a step further. I okay. mean, when you look back at all of the paintings that you've done and, and all of the people that have your paintings hanging, whether it's in a clubhouse or in their home, it's got to be great to reflect back on this. It's got to give you some real sense of, satisfaction that you've made a difference in the game of golf but also in people's lives because you do give them 
the memories of having been there or their favorite tournament or that sort of thing. That's got to be great to just in your quiet times. Does that does that make you feel good? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that has been the most gratifying thing about the whole genre. I don't think that would happen in any other genre, really. I can't imagine. Uh, because the pe- people are so involved with the landscape in a way that they're not maybe in just general landscape. I mean, it, it's very meaningful to them. And if you've ever been to St. Andrews or some of those old courses in Scotland, it's just there's a, a metaphysical kind of a feeling that you get there. You get a sense of history and that you, is very meaningful and very palpable. And I like to try to convey those feelings because I get them. <laughs> Do you have a favorite course that you visited and painted because of the setting or how much it either means to all of us or how much it means to you? Uh, besides Augusta, of course, you could say Pebble Beach, uh, you know, all the really famous ones, uh, St. Andrews, uh, Royal County Down, I think, is pretty stunning when you're there <laughs> and very memorable. And, you know, many of them, uh, just because of their surrounding landscape, just make some very powerful images. Do you have a bucket list of any courses left that you haven't had an opportunity to paint yet? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> I, I just wish they didn't take me so much time because there are some. Uh, I haven't done Cypress Point. I really want to do that. And, oh, gosh, there's so many of them, really. There's so many Scottish and Irish and and elsewhere in the world, you know. There's great ones in Australia and New Zealand. And geez, I see the picture, so I go, wow, I'd like to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we... I can't do them all. <laughs> no doubt. Linda, we're all hypercritical of ourselves, no more so than than those of us that play the game of golf. We're all guilty of a lot of negative self-talk out on the golf course. As an artist, I'm guessing it's the same. Do you do you have a painting that took longer than you wanted it to take because whether you got partway through it or to the end and you thought, you know what, I need a do-over here? Uh, I have never done a do-over. I struggle. I do most of my struggles before I put any paint on the canvas, to tell you the truth. That's, that's when I'm looking over all the reference material I have. And if I get mad at anything, then it's it's more or less that why didn't I take a picture of this? <laughs> you know, now I want it. And I'm how many miles away from this place? Uh, and sometimes I'll go back to a course when I don't get what I want. But most of my struggles are preceding the painting. By the time I'm doing the painting, pretty much know exactly what I want to do. On the opposite side of that coin, if the Metropolitan Museum of Art called and said, we'd like to feature some of your work, which paintings would you give them? Oh, wow. Well, uh, there's quite a few at Augusta. I've done some 25 paintings there, and there's 25 U.S. Open paintings. Uh, I think Shinnecock is a stunning course, and the two paintings I've done there... uh, 
again, one of my favorites, Royal County Down, Royal Dornick, um, the St. Andrews, the Turnberries, so many. Going back into earlier parts of your career, I read that you ride horses. Is it true that you would hope to paint horses, but the market just really wasn't great for that? Yeah, uh, and this was in the early 80s when um, I had always painted horses when I was young, especially. I, that's all I drew was endless horse pictures. And and I rode horses. I was just loved horses. So I, that was a big subject. And um, much later, when I moved down here from Chicago, I thought maybe trying to be an equine artist might be something to pursue. So I started to jury into the Academy, Equine Academy, American Academy of Equine Art. And I went to a couple of their shows and I wasn't, I was a little put off because the the horses that I was painting, if the people if it wasn't their breed, they weren't interested in it. And I thought, well, that's weird. And if they if they uh, raised quarter horses and I showed them a picture, a painting I had done of Arabian, they were like, well, can you paint a quarter horse? And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they kind of looked down their nose at anything that wasn't their breed or their bloodline or their genre and horses. And I and then at the same time, I was starting to do the golf paintings. And those people were just, in, you know, in awe of everything I did. I said, well, I like this much better. <laughs> <laughs> this is a much better crowd for me. <laughs> Linda, so, just, just a couple more before I let you go. Remind our listeners again about how they can find your website, plus how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, well, the best thing to do is sign up for the emails because that's where you get the guest the winner emails. So you can sign up, you know, to try to win a print. And everything is on the website there, all the different, you know, there's Twitter and Facebook and all the usual stuff. So anyway, well, just hardtoe.com. Very simple. <laughs> Well, Linda, it's always wonderful getting to have you as part of this show. I hope we get the privilege of having you come back and, and update us on all the great things that you're doing because your work is absolutely some of the all-time best that I've ever seen. I well, can't thank you enough for all you do for the game. Well, I appreciate that. And believe me, I appreciate everybody who who gives me a comment like that and it makes it all worthwhile. Believe me. Very grateful. Linda, stay safe. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, Chris. Take care. You too, Linda. That is Linda Harto. And a special shout out to Sally Sportsman, who connected Linda and I originally. Thank you, Sally, for putting tonight's interview together. Linda is a treat to get to spend time with. Uh, be sure to follow her again online. Again, it's H-A-R-T-O-U-G-H dot com and at Harto on Twitter. Just a, a, an unbelievably talented lady who has brought joy to so many of our lives through her artwork. If you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. Like I say, I am a huge fan 
of her work and of Augusta National and the the paintings and the prints that she has out there for that course, plus the uh, St. Andrews and all the others that she mentioned. Outstanding stuff. I mean, you, you put that up on your wall and you're going to have something special that you and your family will cherish forever. So huge thank you for Linda for coming back and being a part of the show. Like I say, I hope we have the privilege of catching up with her again soon. 